Today is Thursday, August 10th. The title for our devotional is Intended Results. We've seen the last few days that the church in Ephesus was dealing with some major doctrinal issues as well as moral Christian living issues. So nothing new uh, then that we deal with the same things here today. It's been this way since the church's founding. The solutions that Paul presents are broad and pastoral in nature. Part of what he suggests is the preaching of the word, as we saw yesterday. And as I was reading through First and Timothy, First and Second Timothy, it struck me that Paul mentions in a few places the intended results of Timothy's ministry. In the context, Paul is speaking more broadly than just preaching and teaching. He's talking about his whole pastoral ministry, but not less than preaching and teaching, as that is a part of his pastoral call. Of course, Timothy is addressing serious matters of doctrinal error in his preaching, and this would reflect the immediate needs of his congregation. But his words reflect that doctrinal purity is not the end goal. Instead, good doctrine enhances our worship. Bad doctrine distorts our worship. 1 Timothy 1, 3-7, we read, As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. Now here's the key. So advancing God's work, which is by faith, is part of the goal of what Paul should be, or what Timothy should be preaching and teaching. But also here in verse 5, the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. All of pastoral ministry then, and this, the sermon included, is not merely an information dump or a lecture. It is intended to produce love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith, Paul writes. This is in contrast to what the false teachers of his day were producing. They, their result of their doctrine and their teaching was controversial speculation, and it wasn't advancing God's good work. The intended result then that Paul is calling Timothy to pursue in his ministry is not just to own his adversaries or to prove them wrong, but it's to produce love among the community of faith. Of course, Paul still charges Timothy to preach the word, to declare the truth over and against the heresies of his congregation. This word rebukes, it corrects, it trains in righteousness, it does a lot of challenging things. Yet his motive and the end goal is produce love among the community of faith, so it changes how you address heresies when your goal is love. When the word is preached, those who have a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith will grow in love. Growing in love, then, is the ultimate measure of maturity in the Christian faith. Jesus said the two greatest commandments are to love God and love one another. Growing in knowledge is good. Growing in discipline is good as well, but love is paramount. And all growth in the Christian faith should filter in to our growth in love. Moving on then to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 22-26, we read, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So that's his charge to Timothy of this is what you should be pursuing. This is what you should be focusing on, righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, he says, because you know they produce quarrels. Again, the arguments, the doctrine of those who were false teachers, it was producing quarrels and enmity between people in the church. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed. So here, he's, he's, his call to love is not a call to abandon truth. Remember that. They must be gently instructed. It's simply how the truth is presented. In the hope, he says, 
Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. Here again, the context is broader than preaching, but not less than preaching. It is a part of Paul of Timothy's ministry. Timothy's opponents, those who were teaching a different gospel and leading people astray, were to be gently instructed. The hope of this gentle instruction was that they would repent and come to the knowledge of the truth. This would lead them to escape the trap of the devil who had taken them captive to do his will. Preaching then is to be done in love and compassion for those who had opposed Timothy in the hopes that they would repent. The application for me as a preacher preacher is obvious, but for you as a hearer of the word, the application is to allow the instruction of the word to correct, lead to repentance, and through the truth of the word to escape the traps the enemy. If we approach hearing of the word as worship with pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith, which the goal of which is love, we can do that together as a community in the hearing of the word. Okay, one more example of what we should be pursuing as an intended result in the preaching time. It's not from First or Second Timothy, but it's so good that I couldn't leave it out. When Jesus is walking down the road to Emmaus with two disciples after the resurrection, he esposits the Old Testament scriptures for them. After he, quote, vanishes from their sight, they say to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This is in Luke 24, 32. This is my prayer each Sunday as I open the word, that your, your heart would burn within you. Again, preaching is not just an information exchange or an information dump from the part of the pastor to the people. That were the case, online church, digital church, would be a better platform for simply communicating information without expecting people to make the sacrifice of coming to be in person in a church service. But that's not all that's happening in the preaching event. That's why being in person is so valuable. It's an act of worship to be done in spirit and truth in community. My prayer is that your spirit would be revitalized. It would come alive by the hearing of the word every Sunday. That the truth would captivate us and our hearts would burn within us as we worship together. British evangelist, teacher, and preacher G. Campbell Morgan once said, it is possible for a man to analyze the Bible and lose it in the process. He goes on to prepare a synthesis of the Bible and lose his soul at the work. To make himself perfectly familiar with the letter and to find out that the letter killeth because he has lost touch with the Spirit. My prayer is that you would view the sermon time not as an act of learning solely, as an act of the letter, and then find that the letter killeth, but an act of worship in which your heart burns within you as you encounter the Almighty God through the truth of his word declared corporately as we worship together in spirit and in truth. Too often, preaching and teaching in our culture become objects of worship themselves instead of the vehicles for worship. We've all heard someone raving about their pastor and his sermons ad nauseum with little or nothing to say about the experience of God through the church or their heartfelt worship of him each Sunday. The intended results of that service then or in the eyes of the participant in the church service has stopped at the act of preaching and the preacher. The preaching event or the preacher has become the object of worship. We never progress to the worship of God and giving him glory. This becomes idolatry. Well, this devotional is getting long too. Surprise, surprise, the pastor has a lot to say about preaching. Anyways, for reflection time, how have you experienced your heart burning within you in the corporate worship of preaching? How has your heart been softened, convicted, challenged towards the truth 
in a sermon. How has worshiping through hearing the word produced greater love within you?